0: All right, good morning, everybody. Hey, let's give uh, God thanks for our worship team one more time. This is good stuff. Every. Every Sunday morning, it is good stuff. Hey, it is so good to have you here. I see a lot of uh, familiar faces and a lot of new faces today. So welcome to Hope Des Moines. We're glad that you're here. I want you to know that we love new people here at Hope. In fact, we are expecting you. And there's never a Sunday where we say, well, we're just going to kind of take it easy, you know. It's kind of the dog days of summer. What does that even mean? Um, you know, I don't, I don't understand. But God has been doing some amazing things around here. And if you're, if you're here at Hope Des Moines for any length of time, you're going to realize we don't necessarily sit still. We don't just kind of sit around and talk about what we should be doing in our faith. We're doing it, sometimes a little bit too much, and we have to slow down a little bit and take a rest, which is what we're going to talk about uh, today. But if you're here today and you're kind of wondering what we're all about, the things that you heard about during the announcements, the things that are going on, there is so much to be a part of here. There's so much to, to plug in with, and we want you to know it's, it's who we are. It's, it's, it's what we do as a family, and so if you're here and you're new and you're kind of like, well, I'm not really a part of that, well, you're here, so guess what? You're a part of it now. Uh, you're a part of our family, and on that note, some of you may be here this morning and it's your first time here or you're visiting and you're kind of wondering, like, what's my place here and do I, do I really fit in? And I just want to remind us sometimes to just feel like God wants you to just to know he sees you this morning and you're not anonymous to him. You may feel new and out of place, but you're not new and out of place to him. He knows you. He knows you better than anybody else, and he sees you this morning right where you are, right in the middle of whatever's going on. And he, he wants to, to speak to you this morning in a very intimate way, in a very personal way. And if that's weird for you, to like, whoa, am I going to hear voices or something? Like, it's the most normal thing in the world. Because when God speaks to us, we feel more and more like ourselves all the time. And that's my hope and that's my prayer for you this morning. Everybody hold up one finger like this. No, we're not going to sing this little light of mine. Everybody say, one thing. thing. Oh, you can be louder than that. Everybody say, one thing. One thing. thing. Okay, gotcha. You can put it down. I won't make you do arm calisthenics there this morning. So a couple weeks ago at VBS, I was standing down here on the floor and uh, I have to be really loud and animated to keep the kids' attention because they have about a a two-and-a-half-second attention span. And so we do lots of actions, and we do lots of call and responses, and uh, we taught the kids uh, tons of things, lots of Bible stories. We had memory verses and phrases of the day and all these different things. And so one day we learned about the story of Mary and Martha that we're going to talk about today. And so what I had them do was there's this, this part in the story where Jesus says one thing. One thing matters. Everybody say one thing. one thing. There's one thing that matters. And so I had all the kids hold up one finger and I said, you're going you're gonna to forget a lot because I forget a lot. Whoop, it just goes right over my head. That's what I tell them. It just, and all the kids go, whoop. Everybody go, whoop, like that. Whoop. Just do it. Oh, no, you're not too cool. Everybody do it. Do a whoop. There we go. Okay, so we just forget a lot of things, right? You're going to forget half of what I say today, right? So you're going to get half a sermon. No, I'm just kidding. We forget a lot of things, things. And I told the kids, if there's one thing that you remember this week, If there's one thing that you remember as they're holding up their one finger and they're looking at it, one thing I want you to remember this week is that there is a God that loves you. And he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and to rise again so that you could live with him every single day, that you can talk to him, that you can pray to him anytime, anywhere. Everybody say one thing. If there's one thing that I wanted them to remember, if there's one thing I want you to remember, it's that. One thing. You're going to forget a lot of things. And it's no coincidence that in our story today, Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha, and he says, there's one thing that matters above everything else, and I want you to be with me. I want you to live life with me. I want the most important thing that you can do is not to love God, but to let yourself be loved. Do you have the ability to sit with Jesus and to feel his love pouring into you this morning. Nothing could be more important than that. That's why we're here. That's what today is about, that we would take time every single day to slow down and be with Jesus. That was one of the phrases that we taught the kids on that day that we learned about Mary Martha. Everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, slow down. down. Repeat after me. Take Take some time to be with Jesus. Do you think we can put it all together? See if you're smarter than VBS? If you're smarter than a third grader, let's figure it out, right? Here we go. Slow down and take some time to be with Jesus. Oh, you're so smart. You got it. You could pass VBS class. Awesome. Good job. And you would think that would be easy. But I think if we are honest, it's that slowing down part that's a little bit harder than we admit, Maybe just me, but does life just seem to be getting faster and faster? Does anybody agree with that? It is harder and harder to slow down. And today we're going to talk about (laughs) rest. Could anybody use more rest in their life? Okay, four of you, the rest of you got 12 hours of sleep last night and you have the whole week. Clearly you don't have children. Praise God for you. That's awesome. Could anybody use some more rest in your life? Oh, my word. It's August, for pity's sake. Shouldn't you be on vacation? No, you should be here. That's good. Uh, I can't remember the last time that I asked somebody, hey, how are you doing? How, how are you feeling? Feeling, uh, you know, and, and they would just respond right away. Oh, I feel so rested and refreshed and replenished. I just get in all the sleep I want in the world. Work's a breeze, and I can take a nap whenever I want. And when's the last time you heard somebody say that? It's just not the norm for us. Some of us could use rest, just more sleep. For others of us, the the rest that we need is from stress in our life. Stress causes us to be tired because our bodies are whole. They're complete. We're deeply uh, spiritual people, but we're also emotional people and physical people. And so for some of you, it's stress from a marriage or stress from a relationship or maybe a crazy family member. I know we have none of those. Um, Maybe it's stress from a boss or a coworker. Some of you are experiencing financial stress. Some of you are just exhausted today from being alone. Some of you are just so tired of being isolated and overwhelmed. Some of you are here today and you are wrestling with a big decision. And the way that you typically view life is that you have to control everything and you have to set up all these dominoes and and make it work just a certain way. And the problem is life is not working out the way that you want it because you're clutching it so tightly and trying to make life work a certain way. And God just says, let me handle it. But you're so tired and exhausted of trying to, to fit it into your box. If you're like me and if you have young children... I say, sleep, and you say, what's that? Uh, what, what is rest? Um, you're always needing a little bit more, and of course, your kids always need you at the most convenient times, right? Or they just need you, period. I've learned that when we are stressed, this is for just for myself, and maybe you're the same. When I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, and I'm tired, there's two things that I need more than anything else, and in this order, Jesus and laughter. Amen. Those are two things I need more than any else. Uh, Some of you have heard of a comedian named Jim Gaffigan. Everybody ever heard of him? Um... I'm not endorsing him whatsoever. Uh, in fact, 90% of his material I would not recommend. But this piece I'm going to show you, I do. So sometimes I come across bits, and then I watch them, and I go, ooh, that's not appropriate. We're going to have to do some work on that. So we did some editing magic uh, on this one, but I want to show you a f- few clips. This is an episode that uh, Jim Gaffigan did on kids and the stress. So if any of you have kids right now, young kids in the home, or have had kids, I'm sure that you can relate to this. And if you have nothing to do with kids, just laugh. It's good to laugh. If we can't laugh in church, where can we laugh, right? So he's doing a bit about kids, and maybe this will just sort of set the stage for where we're going today. Let's take a look. There you go. Can anybody relate to that whatsoever? My word. He just described the Aniston house in about two minutes right there. That's what it's like every day at our house. And we only have two. I can only imagine uh, with more. And I think sometimes (laughs) it's just good to laugh. And sometimes it's just really freeing to admit, like, we don't have it all together, right? Life is hard. I've said this before, and those of you with young kids, do you ever feel like getting to church, even if it's ten minutes late, getting to church in one piece is an accomplishment, like, praise God for you and that you're here. That's, that's awesome. We feel that way sometimes. And some of you are looking at that thinking, oh, you know, that's cute and that's nice for the young families and that's their little season of life, so this sermon must not have anything to do with me. Oh, much to the contrary. I think that if we're honest with ourselves, uh, busyness affects all of us. The lack of rest affects all of us. Do you remember back in college... Or when you were like in your late teens or 20s and you thought life was so busy? Oh man, I got to be up by 11 for that class. Life is rough, you know, I'm just, that's the way it was for me. And and, and the message you get sent in college is, quick, grow up. You'd notice I said quick. I did a four-year bachelor's degree in three and a half years because the slogan that my college put out was faster, better. So we can get you out into the workforce because you can hurry up and be an adult so you can be busy the rest of your life and miss the most important time of your life and some of the most meaningful time with friends, which is college. But we don't really need to worry about that, faster, better. That was the message that was sent. But we kind of think this live, oh, once I get through college, things will slow down because then I'll have my own place and I'll be on my own time and I don't have to worry about any of that. And so sort of like, when I get to that season of life, then things will slow down. Well, then you get your first job And then you have a couple kids and you wake up one day and you go, man, I don't have any time for myself. There's no silence around the house anymore. I don't have time for hobbies. Things are just busy. But oh, when the kids are a little bit older... See where I'm going here? When the kids are a little bit older, then I'll have more time for myself, and then I won't need as much rest, and then, and then I'll, I won't be as stressed, and then the kids get a little older, and then you find you, yourself and your spouse shuttling your kids back and forth from thing to thing, and it's busy, and you kind of feel like your ship's passing in the night sometimes with your spouse, like, oh, hey, see you in 18 years, right? And we'll, we'll get back together, but right now we're taxi drivers, And it can feel like that, and no, we're not going to get any rest. Oh, you know what? When the kids graduate, when the kids get out of the house, then we won't be stressed at all. Then we'll have all the rest that we need. But when the kids get out of the house, then you realize we spent all our focus on the kids, and we just kind of feel like we're roommates rather than lovers because we've been so busy. You weren't meant to be roommates. You were meant to be married. But we're so busy and now that the kids are out of the house, well, we have all this time to fill and, you know, this is kind of the, the high peak of our, our careers and our success in, in life and so we need to be busy and we need to fill this time and now that the kids are gone, uh, we can just kind of each go our separate ways and do our own thing and, 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 oh man, life's really busy again. Oh, you know, when we're retired, then things will slow down. Then we won't have as much stress, we won't be as tired. And then you get to retirement and I've talked to people that are retired and it's an amazing thing to me that when you're retired, you're just as stressed and just as tired as you were before. Because now you have no structure to your life. And you're like, man, I got all this time. I gotta fill it with something, right? And so we fill it with this and watching the grandkids and going on trips and going on vacations and you're just exhausted because you're you get a part-time job, I, I gotta I gotta fill it with something and we're just tired and you get to the end of your life and you go, does it ever stop? I mean in the culture in which we live, have you ever tried to get off of a treadmill while it's going? you end up looking like that guy, right? Life is a treadmill, and unless we intentionally hit stop or slow down, take some time to be with Jesus, we'll end up like this guy, and life never stops. That treadmill doesn't stop. And we spend all our time doing all these things except the one thing that's most important. Everybody say one thing one thing. The one thing is not doing, but being with Jesus. Whatever stage of life you find yourself in today, if if I described you or not, or if you're somewhere in between those stages, the danger is not so much that we never slow down in life. The danger is that we think it's normal. Some of you look around today and you look at other people that are in your stage of life, whether it's in person or through this virtual world that we have in social media, Twitter and Facebook, and you look around and you say, well, they went on eight family vacations and and they're really busy and they have four jobs and they work 70 hours a week or whatever it is. And you say, well, that's normal. So somebody in my stage of life should just be exhausted. If I'm not, the lie we believe is I'm not valuable. Valuable. You ever notice when we ask each other how we're doing, the next phrase out of our mouth is saying, how you doing? Keeping busy? Or you get to know somebody and the first thing out of their mouth that they describe who they are is what they do? It's so deeply rooted in us and we forget that we are first human beings, not human doings. And maybe we just think, well, that's... 2015. That's the way things are now. That's what life is like. But when you step back and you look at this issue and this struggle for us to slow down, that it's in every season of life, maybe it's not our circumstances that are causing that. Maybe it's not something that's out there. Maybe it's something that's in here. Maybe our inability to find true rest and to slow down is a deeply spiritual issue. One of my favorite Christian authors, Dallas Willard, put it this way. He said, when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus had a lot to do. Read the Gospels. He packed a lot into three years. He says, Jesus was frequently very busy, but he was never rushed. He was never hurried. And the difference is a condition of the soul. Is your soul at rest Today, I want you to think about this. Jesus, just remember that he was fully human. Just like us. Jesus spent more time alone with God in silence and solitude than any human that has ever lived. And Jesus was the most peaceful, calm, easy, comforting to be around person who ever lived. Do you notice the correlation? There are those people in your life that just make you anxious to be around them because they're always stressed, and then there's those people that you just love to be around because they don't even have to say anything, and you're just like, oh, I just feel better for being around you. Jesus was one of those people, and that doesn't come by accident. That comes by doing the work of the soul. By kind of looking under the hood of your own heart and saying, not just what am I accomplishing in life, but who am I becoming along the way? I'll be completely honest with you when I talk to people and I have dinner with lots of you or coffee with lots of you and getting to know you and I just hear what's going on in your life and what you're strugg- struggling with, two of the most common things, at least in the top three or top four things that I hear, is number one, I'm so busy, I'm so tired. And the second thing is, and I really want to grow in my faith. And I don't think that it is an accident. I don't think it is ironic that that speaks directly to the problem. They could not be more related. There's a Christian author and kind of psychologist counselor named Morton Kelsey, and he once wrote this. Listen to this. The most potentially destructive issue of spiritual growth is not alcohol, nor immorality, nor is it drugs. It is people who are busy. Perpetually busy. Nothing destroys the spiritual life like that. I don't know about you, but that brings some conviction to me. Some of you have asked me before on certain topics, uh, like this. Some of you that know me know I'm very busy, know I'm very type A driven, I'm a perfectionist, I love to work a lot. And so my wife was joking with me and she said, do you think you're qualified to give this sermon? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and if that was the case, I wouldn't be a pastor because I'm not really qualified to give any sermon and that's called grace, amen? In fact, none of us are really qualified to be here and that's called grace, As well. But God is working on me with this and He's teaching me to slow down. Nothing destroys people's spiritual life like that. For some of us, the pace at which we live our lives and the way that we handle stress in our lives, our pace of life is actually counterproductive to the things in the areas that we want to grow and the things that we pray about will change. We pray, God, change me. God, help me uh, be transformed. God, help me love people better. God, help me serve people better. And he says, I want to, but you're going way too fast to even notice what I'm putting in your path. I have so much to say to you, but you never slow down to listen. It's actually counterproductive. And modern counseling and the Bible are very different in how they look at this problem of rest. What a lot of uh, people in the culture and the media and books and TVs will say this, if you just look deep enough into yourself, you'll find the answer. You'll find your inner peace. And whatever that mode is that you go into of reflection or whatever Try this trend, or this new hip thing, or this device, or this strategy. It'll change everything. But don't you think that if we were smart enough as modern people to get off the treadmill, we would have done it a long time ago? And that the normal response, especially for followers of Jesus, would be, I am at peace, and I am rested. I'm not talking about circumstances of your life. We can't control those. You can control... The quality of your soul and your heart and the pace at which you live your life. The Bible looks at it completely differently. Instead of, say, instead of saying, look into yourself and find the answer, it says, why don't we look instead to the one who made you? And that's where we're going to start today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. That's where we're going to start. We're going to be in Matthew and then we'll go to Luke. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus is doing some teaching with some of his disciples. And some of you are familiar with this passage. You've heard it before, but we're going to kind of piece it together this morning. Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28. Matthew is the first gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, verse 28. Jesus offers this to us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Oh, thank God. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. So this is great news, because Jesus is offering us this invitation to leave our restlessness, and as it turns out, it's not by going to all these other things, it's by coming to him. And no, it's not just the Sunday school answer, it's legit, it's by coming to him. Now, before we go in this, I think we need to even ask ourselves this question. Jesus is standing here today, and imagine he just started walking down the aisles, and he walked up to you in whatever condition you're in this morning, and he just holds out his hand to you, and he says, do you want to find rest? Not just physical rest, but do you want to have this peace and this call and this settledness about your life? Every day, no matter what's going on, I'm offering that to you. Do you want it? And our surface level reaction is, oh yeah, absolutely, sign me up for that. Do you really want it? Some of us don't want it because we know that we don't really want to change. All I've ever known is speed. All I've ever known is that when life throws a curveball my way, I freak out. And that's your default mode. What if it didn't have to be? Some of you are saying, I don't want to change because then I'll have to take off the mask and admit that I don't have everything together admit that I'm a mess like Jim Gaffigan with his kids. Some of you don't want to change these things I'm clinging to. Some of you are saying, if I slow down, then I have to be with myself. And with myself is the loneliest place to be because I am so utterly ashamed of myself. If I don't have noise, if I don't have clutter in my life, I don't know what to do. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what I want to get at. That's the work of the soul that I want to do. If I slow down, then I'm not going to be on top of things. And if I'm not on top of things, then I'm not going to be in control. And for some of you, that's the one thing you're holding on to, and it's the last thing that Jesus is asking you to let go of control. The danger is if we don't accept the invitation, we're going to miss out on the one thing that really matters. Everybody say one thing. And it's this one thing that a woman named Martha got a hard lesson in. If you're in Matthew, go a couple books later to Luke. You're in Matthew, then Mark, now flip over to Luke if you've got your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, look on with a neighbor. I would encourage every single one of you to look at this. Matthew chapter 11, and now we're in Luke, now we're in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. Jesus and his disciples are on a road trip, and in those days, they didn't have a uh, Casey's to stop at and, oh, get some breakfast pizza. <sighs> uh, anyway, and they didn't have holiday inns, or sorry, I just had a moment there, and th- they They had to stop and just make friends and be hospitable with people and and expect people to welcome him in their homes. And luckily, they came to this small town, this village called Bethany, and in Bethany was these two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, Jesus arrives, and as you can imagine, as a normal person, he's tired. And so he comes in, and he plops himself down in their lazy boy, and he rests, because Jesus needed Rest. Now, I want you to think about for a second, Jesus is God. He's a pretty big deal. He's pretty well known at this point. If your favorite celebrity, the person that you admired the most in the world, was coming to your house in a half an hour, and that's all the notice you had, what would you do? Clean, cook, freak out, scream, do your hair. I don't know. What would you do, right? What would you do? Hop on Facebook, tell everybody. What would your normal response be? Well, Mary and Martha have two very different responses. We pick up the story. Look it. It says, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Verse 39. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. So Jesus is sitting here, and Mary just sat there at his feet, listening to what he had to say. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted. Everybody say, Distracted distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Thinking about this story, it reminded me, I had a youth leader growing up, and I remember this to this day, which is another reason why the things that we do for kids are so important, because they remember them for the rest of their life. I had a youth leader, I I was struggling with prayer, and and when I say be with God, some of you are like, that's weird, that's creepy, right? I can't see him, where he's at? So I'm going to tell you to do something A lot less creepy, and that's talk to an empty chair. So uh, I had a youth leader that when I was struggling with prayer, they said, John, just think about it like this. You sit yourself down in one chair and then put another chair just as if you were talking to somebody else and just imagine that Jesus is sitting there and he's just kind of looking at you with those calm, peaceful, compassionate eyes. And the only thing he says is, how are you? Tell me how it's going. And then just talk to him like you would your best friend. That's prayer. And that has helped me so much, even to this day, I just sit with Jesus. Sometimes I read my Bible, sometimes I pray, I talk to him. Sometimes I pray with my eyes open. (gasps) Oh! that's okay I'm not looking at you I'm just praying and that's what Mary's doing now a lot of preachers and teachers will look at this story of Mary and Martha and they'll make this assumption well you know there's just sort of uh uh, two kinds of personalities in this world and some of you you're more type a and and driven and I'm a doer that's just who I am that's my personality I get stuff get her done And some people say, well, no, my personality, I'm more of an introvert. I I like to be by myself and just read and be calm and and restful, and I I have no problem just being, being by myself. Your idea of a vacation is a week by yourself. And we make the mistake of thinking that that's what Jesus is saying in this story. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, yeah, there's two different responses to Jesus. These are two different people, but one is clearly better in this situation than the other. Look at verse 40. So Martha, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. First mistake Martha makes, you never boss Jesus around. Right? He's God. Don't do that. Right? Tell her to help me. Now look at verse 41. Martha, Martha. I always think, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. It's important to know here, some of you read this and think that Jesus is like scolding Martha, but it's important to know he's not scolding Martha and he's not scolding you today. Some of you are feeling really convicted right now, like stop preaching. I know, I'm overwhelmed and tired, just let me go sleep. The purpose of this sermon is not to tell you that you're a bad Christian because you're too busy. Look at the story. Instead, when somebody repeats somebody's name or repeats something in the Hebrew language in which Jesus spoke, it was actually a sign of, like, passion or emphasis. It's almost like saying, this is really important. This is really, really important. Almost a pleading, like, don't miss what I'm about to say. Like, do I have your full, undivided attention? Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Everybody say one thing. This is that one thing that Jesus says, and Mary found it. This is not a personality thing. This is a soul thing being with Jesus and letting yourself be loved by him. Now some of you, like me, that are very driven and you're doers and you're workers, are sitting here going, well, Jesus is just totally railing on Martha and condemning all of us that are doers and that really like to work and be busy. That's not what he's doing at all. Jesus is not anti-work. He's not anti-action. And that would contradict many of the rest of the themes in the Gospels and the fact that Jesus, that God himself in the Garden of Eden, created us to work. Your job is a holy thing. Whatever you do for your job is good. Jesus is not condoning that. Instead, just like these chairs, Jesus just sits down and says, Martha, Martha. you got a lot going on. you got a lot on your plate. Why don't you take a moment and just be with me? That's the one thing that matters. Some of you are going to go home and maybe start a petition to have your pastor committed because he's talking to a chair. Martha... Martha. We all have distractions. It's not that the work and the hospitality that Martha was doing was bad. It's that she was distracted from the one thing. We all have distractions and a lot of times these distractions are actually good things and and, and all of us have a list. All of us have distractions, different things that are going on and I just kind of wonder like what's on your list? I just want to take a minute or two, and what I want to do is, some, this might be kind of weird, but I want you to tell me what's on your list for this week. If you were Martha, and if you had lots of things to do, just think about your list for this week, and I want you to think about it in general terms, like not, you don't need to yell out your kids' names or where you're going, just a trip, or uh, going to the grocery store, or picking up the kids, whatever it is, just kind of in generic terms, you don't need to share your whole life story here, we're just going to make a list of what you need to do this week. It's as simple as that. The list. Okay? Nothing. There's no wrong answer. Just shout them out. What do you have to do this week? What's on your list? What's that? Meetings. Okay. What else? Let Let your light shine. That's a good one. What else? Feed the dog. Do what in the house? Clean the house? Feed the dog. Clean the house. What else? Keep them coming. Did somebody say make pancakes? A <laughs> make, a, make a list of your list, right? That's good, yeah. I have lists of lists. Are you that kind of person? What else? What do you need to do? Garage Eat sale. candy. Okay, that's good. Uh, I can't hear very well. Have a garage sale. That's a lot of work. Uh, garage sale. Mow the lawn. That's actually a joy for me. Work. Babysit. Uh, I have no idea how to spell. Uh, what else? Five days online training. On a train? Online. Five days of online training. Oh, online training. Okay, gotcha. That's different than being on a train. <laughs> what else? I'm call, the bank. call the bank. Put it in your phone right now, right? Okay, so the list could go on and on and on and on. We all have our list. Right? Some of you are just thinking of that now and you're not going to listen for the rest of the sermon, right? I did this exercise with a mentor of mine because I was really busy and half of my stuff was ministry stuff and half of it was life stuff. And at the end of it, I had this whole list of really good things, a lot of healthy things, but just things that I was busy with. And I was telling him, I'm so stressed, I'm so busy, I'm so overworked. And he asked me this question, he said, John, what's the one thing you have to do this week? And I said, well, I have to go to this meeting because it's with those people and i got to make these calls and i got to answer those emails. And he said, no, 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 no. You missed the point. If the God of the universe wanted to meet with you and speak to you and love you and tell you who you are, Would you take him up on that? I said, of course. And he said, that's the one thing. Notice what he says. That's not the one thing you have to do. That's the one thing this week that you get to do. What's on your list and what's the one thing you get to do? Everybody say one thing. Some of you are saying, that's nice, Pastor John, you know, but let's get realistic. There's a lot of non-negotiables on that list. I I noticed what we didn't have up here was anything to do with the kids, right? They probably need to be fed or clothed or whatever it is. There's there's non-negotiables. You have to go to work. You have to take care of the kids. And some of you are saying, I don't have time. There's just not time in my schedule to make that work, but if you think about it, do you know that the greatest gift that you could give your kids is a mom or dad that's passionate about Jesus and doesn't just talk the talk but actually lives it out? John, I have a priority to be with my spouse, and we have this awesome social life, and we have to go out with friends and all these things. How's how's your relationship with your spouse these days? I wonder if half the struggles that couples have is because one person is looking to the other person for things that they should have been getting from God all along. And the love and the affirmation and all the insecurities that we have, we go looking to the other person and say, can you be God? (laughs) They can never be God. Some of you are saying, John, I have to go to work. It's kind of a non-negotiable. I don't have time to be with Jesus. I got to go to work or I'm going to get fired. When's the last time you asked Jesus to tell you why you have that job? and why he sent you on that mission, and who he's called you to reach, and who he's called you to bless. Oh, John, well, the one thing we don't have up here, certainly, I, I got I to gotta do ministry. We got, we got all this church stuff. I'm on all these committees and groups you got me in. I got to do all these things. You know the greatest gift that you can offer this church is your intimacy with Jesus, we will only be as healthy as a congregation as each of you are individually. And it's not just for the super mature people. All of us are called to be with Jesus. So that the highlight of your week is you being with him. And when you come on here, here on Sundays, and you hear me, or you hear Jed, or you hear the worship team, or a great sermon, you're like, that's just icing on the cake. But my highlight of my week was Wednesday morning when I was with Jesus, and he spoke to me, and I listened to him, and he just delighted over me. This is just icing. This is just a family reunion. And even if the sermon stinks, which sometimes it does, that's okay because I'm not the one feeding you a majority of the time. God speaks through me, but he wants to speak directly to you. And I hope that you come to be with him, not to be with me. Amen? Some of you are saying, "Ah, it's just kind of that mushy-gushy, touchy-feely stuff. I don't really want to be with Jesus, especially guys we struggle with this. I want to remind you that King David was like the manliest man to ever live, and he played the harp. <laughs> and he says in Psalm 27, "One thing I ask is to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord." Who says that? A man that's realized it's not all about the battle and it's not all about the work and it's not all about being the tough guy. It's about being a lover. First and foremost, you want to know what's really manly? You know what takes real courage? Is being weak and vulnerable in the presence of your father. That's true manliness. So maybe there's more merit to this than we thought. So how do we do that? You ask, what does that look like? Well, it starts with something that I want to I just teach you about really quickly, and this could be a whole sermon series, but I want to give you a snapshot. Everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath. No, say it like you mean it. Sabbath. Sabbath. Two things you need to know about Sabbath. Number one, Sabbath comes from this Hebrew word called Shabbat. Say Shabbat just because it's fun. Shabbat, right? Shabbat. Shaboop. Shabbat. It means to cease or to stop. Secondly, God says the Sabbath is this 24-hour period of time that is set apart as holy or sacred. The first thing called holy in the entire Bible is time. And yet we just sort of bulldoze over it and say, well, Sunday is just like any other ordinary day, and if I don't worship and if I don't be with Jesus, I'll just keep right on going. Jesus says that's holy time. to be with me, that you would Sabbath, that you would stop from your normal everyday activity and rhythm of life. And it looks different for each of us, but rather than a checklist, I just want to end with four key ingredients that I believe are a part of any Sabbath, whether that's a Saturday for you or a Sunday. It's not about the day. Don't get hung up on that. What 24-hour period are you taking to do four things, to stop, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate. If you're writing stuff down, I invite you to write those down. When when do I stop? When do I rest? When do I delight? And when do I contemplate? What does Sabbath look like for you? First of all, stop. Sabbath is a deliberate act of not doing. So many of us wear workaholism as a badge of honor. Well, you work 60 hours, It's been a rough week. I work 75. And we think we're supposed to go, whoa. I just go, that's sad. That's sad. Because you're doing damage to your soul, to the body, to the temple that God's given you. When did exhaustion become a status symbol in our culture? What higher status do you need than being a child of God? Amen? That's all the status you'll ever need. So we stop. But we also rest. For some of you, getting adequate sleep this week is going to be the most holy thing that you do. Taking care of your body. What is God calling you to rest from? And and he says, rest in me. And when I say rest, some of you think veg. Some of you think Facebook. Some of you think Netflix. Whatever that is for you. And so we run to the television or some of you run to alcohol or you run to the internet and then we go right back to work the next day and we wonder why we're so exhausted. Because you just numbed it. You didn't actually get filled up. So the question to ask when you're resting on your Sabbath is what is it that's actually going to fill me up versus what's just going to numb the pain for another day? What are going to be those distractions? So we stop we rest, and then we delight. And this is the one that you often forget about. What do you love to do? Of everything on that list, what, what's something that you get to do? The way that I explain Sabbath is like this. Remember growing up and, and you got a call that it was a snow day? You're like, I don't have to go to school today! Sabbath is a snow day every single week. I don't have to go to work today! I get to do something. What is it that you love to do? For some of you, I love mowing the lawn. I delight in that. I also love to golf. That brings me delight. And some of you are like, John, you're a pastor. Don't you like meditate and like be still and pray all day long on your Sabbath? I do that on the golf course. That's what I do. Because when I delight in that, I'm delighting in something that God created and I'm delighting in him. So what is it for you that you get to play Where do you get to play? So we stop, we rest, we delight, and finally we contemplate. It sounds really boring, but for some of you, you're like, John, this is all great and everything, but I'm not a monk, for pity's sakes. I mean, contemplation is about just taking time to be with God. Back in high school, somebody challenged me to start a journal, and some of you guys right there are like, seriously, what is this, like your dear diary or something? Oh, it might be the manliest thing I've ever done. Because I can look back in like seven or eight journals now over the last decade and remember what God has done in my life and see how he's answered prayers. If you have a hard time focusing and praying and you don't know whether it's God or yesterday's pizza, if you're like me in that sense, I would encourage you to journal. I would encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to read scripture and write it down. Start journaling. A couple years later, I realized that a lot of the heroes of the faith journaled, and that increased their intimacy with God. So, my challenge for us this morning is stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. What if you actually did this? What if you actually took a day off? What if you had a regular rhythm to your life between work and rest? Work and rest. And instead of resting from your overworkedness, what if you worked out of the abundance of rest, out of being filled up? Sometimes we just need it to sting a little bit. Sometimes we just need a little wake-up call. Our son, Caleb, is quite verbal. And he talks a lot. And uh, (laughs) the other night, I was sitting on the couch and he was playing on the floor in uh, our living room. And uh, does anybody else love to be on your phone all the time? Me too, and sometimes I get addicted to it. (laughs) I've been at work all day and here's my son playing with his train set on the floor. And he's two. And yet he's so verbal and he's so talkative. And so sometimes he just talks and he mumbles. And I'm like, that's great. He can just talk to himself. And I'll, you know, Facebook's more important than my son, right? Or whatever it is for you that is your priority. And he just starts mumbling. He says, Daddy, play my trains with me. like, what? I can't hear you. I got to check my email. Daddy, play my... Daddy, play my trains with me. I Caleb, I can't hear you. <laughs> with all the that he can muster, he stands up, goes right between my legs, looks me in the eyes, and my phone is literally in front of my son's face. <laughs> He's discovering his vocal cords, and he looks right at me and says, Daddy, play my trains with me! He may not be saying, play my trains with me, but God is looking at every single one of you every day saying, be with me. There is nothing more important. There is nothing more satisfying. Do life with me. Put your phone down. Look up. See what I'm doing. Talk to me. Listen to me. Sit down in the chair. Stop. Rest. Delight. Contemplate everything that I'm doing in your life. Out of all the things that you could do this week, out of everything that's on your list, what's the one thing that you get to do? To be with the one that created you. ready? Slow down, slow down, and take some time to be with Jesus. It's my challenge to you this week. Amen? Let's stand together.